Welcome to the Angler Podcast. This is Sean McNulty from the Wake Up Newsletter here at the Angler. Uh, joining today are Janice Min and Elaine Lowe, special guest, uh, reporter over at uh, Insider. Elaine, thanks for joining us today in this very momentous stay in the uh, fourth quarter earnings season here. Yeah, it's the succession season, apparently. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> Little did we know. We had uh, Iger on to Vince McMahon, and now we got Reed going on. So, uh, you know, it never ends here, it seems like, in the... Uh, the executive chairman suite, I guess, is the new the new hot seat in in, in Hollywood. Well, is that the new title for everyone in town? It's the new coveted. I'm still there. I'm still here. <laughs> yeah, did not go anywhere. I mean, I guess that'll be Iger's title in two years. I guess we can kind of put that in writing now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I guess. Well, let's start with that, Elaine. So, what was your take on besides the earnings stuff? We'll get to the, in a minute, but just the. The succession of it all. What was your your takeaway on that? I think the timing was maybe a little bit of a surprise. I don't know that anybody was necessarily expecting that yesterday alongside earnings in their shareholder letter, but it uh, the writing had been on the wall for some time. You know, it's, this is something that Netflix had been subtly signaling, right? I mean, yeah. Greg Peters has been with the company a long time, working with, with Ted and Reed for like 15 years now. He was elevated to chief operating officer about two and a half years ago at the start of the pandemic. Um, you know, went through, uh, I think as they call it, the, the trial by fire, and then started more prominently appearing on these earnings calls uh, as of a couple of quarters ago. And I think that was something that made people go, hey, what's going on here? There's this guy, usually very, very low key, but he's getting a little more screen time. Could this be Reed easing him into the seat of co-CEO? And then naturally, the uh, actual announcement came yesterday. Um, and, you know, we'd written a little bit about Greg uh, a couple of months ago, my colleague Lucia Moses and I. And, you know, we're sort of talking to folks, asking around about him. And, you know, he's very well liked, very respected within the company. And because he was chief product officer for so long, is is very well respected by the, the tech and engineering folks there. So he's kind of like, uh, not to say the business guy, but, you know, in terms of maybe more, what what is his kind of, I know a bit about his background, but I mean, a little more about what he's, uh, what, where he, you know, what he built his career on. I guess I'm not as familiar with that as maybe everybody else there. He's an interesting guy. I mean, by by Hollywood standards, I think it's like you know he's got uh, he studied astrophysics and physics. Oh, yeah, I know. Uh, he's an engineer. Uh, you know, very again, just a real Silicon Valley guy. Um, you know, when we were talking to folks uh, outside of the office, he's a big wine aficionado, a very big foodie who likes to cook these elaborate dinners for friends, um, and you know, well liked uh, on and off the court, so to speak. Um, and, 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 you know, within the company has kept a pretty low profile, again, really respected with the product guys, the engineers, and it sort of seems like the, uh, you know, the choosing of the succession to have these two, you know, CEOs, it feels sort of very like left brain, right brain, right? Like you have Ted doing the content right. stuff and then you have Greg on the, on the product and tech side. That's what I mean. Yeah. Kind of this two hander, but as a little bit on Twitter yesterday, I was seeing, but, or. Um, elsewhere wherever i'm looking these days but was more like um so who's in charge like i think it was like who best because if reads now you know he he said goodbye on that call yesterday i mean he's executive chairman but he was just like see you later you know so you have two co-ceos everybody's like well who's the boss i guess would be the the question a little bit did that strike you at all or is your or my is it just like eh, they get along well enough they'll figure it out 
I feel like as far as succession goes these days in, in Hollywood, this is the most uh, orderly transfer of power. That we've seen. <laughs> oh, I don't on, know if the bar's that high. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They said on the call yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. true. I mean, and they're they're not wrong. I mean, given everything else we've seen this past sure. week over at you know WBD and Disney, it it, it certainly is the case. Um, and again, it's like it feels like those roles are are pretty are divvied up pretty clearly. And Ted and Greg have been working together for so long, and people that we've spoken to say that, you know, they're very tight. They, you know, talk almost every day. They, uh, you know, have been doing this for a long time. So it's not like there's some big shift in dynamic. It's just, you know, as Reed put it on the call yesterday, formalizing an informal structure that had already existed. And so you really still have Ted at the top of the the creative chain, although, you know, the chief creative officer title is different now, which we can, you know, get into later. Um, <laughs> Let's get into it now. That's, uh, yeah, that's, that's the other thing yesterday. Go ahead. Uh, why, don't you, why don't you walk us through that, uh, Elaine? <laughs> sure. So, so the other change that came a lot lower in that announcement is that the, you know, Bella, Bella Bajaria is now the chief content officer, which was a title that was previously occupied by Ted. And uh, so she's stepping into that role. And, uh, you know, Scott Stuber, the head of film. So Bella's the head of TV. Scott's the head of film, which, of course, all your listeners already know. Um, but uh, but but now she's she's in that role of chief creative officer. And I think the question that some people have that we kept getting yesterday was, so what's the you know reporting structure now How yeah. does work? So I think that's something that the company will clarify over time. Janice, what is your what was your kind of read on that? Uh- well, I, I learned this, Sean, reading your newsletter this morning, um, <laughs> the, the sort of title changes for the for the two top creative executives. But you, like Elaine said, you made the point, like, you know, details TBD um, about, you know, and, and is is chairman of film higher, lower than chief content? CCO, right. CCO? Yeah. yeah. Or, or are we just, I mean, it's a, that, that all seemed a little bit fuzzy. Um, but it's a, is that, yeah, uh, yeah. Scott rolls up to Bella now is what I've been told, but the company does not comment on formal reporting structures. So, you know, in terms of official capacity, again, we'll just have to wait for the details. So, um, Sean, why don't you run us through what the actual numbers are? Because I think as you, it's and the whole way that Netflix does their earnings day is is unique, right? You start out with a with a press release that rolls into a pre recorded live YouTube video. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, everybody does a press release. It's that that you know that that's that's you know a status quo. Everybody does a press release typically after the market or if they have a morning call somewhere around seven thirty in the morning, which is you know then generally followed by a conference call where you do 20, 30 minutes on the you know the numbers and whatever speech you want to do. Which Bob Chapek famously uh, had a very memorable one uh, on his last one for Q three, um, where you give essentially give your spin. Um, accentuate what you want to accentuate. Uh, everybody has a different approach to it. Obviously, um, some really dive into the numbers, some don't, don't go into them at all. But Netflix doesn't do this. They do a pre-recorded 45-minute YouTube video, uh, as I call it, a, a DVD in the homage to their old days, um, where they invite an analyst on, uh, rotating. This time it was uh, Jessica Reef, whose name last name I'm forgetting right now. <laughs> Maybe you remember it from Bank of America. She's the anal- entertainment analyst there. Reef Cohen. Uh, she was Cohen. She's a new someone, something else now. That's why. <laughs> oh, 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 it, oh. She's not okay. no longer Cohen's. That's why. Yep. Um, okay. But she was the 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 analyst of choice. You know, they come on. It seems like 
there's definitely some, did you did you watch it Elaine yesterday or did you get to oh, watch the whole of course. yes yeah uh, I they, can I just say ahead. I don't know how they have gotten away with doing a pre-recorded call when everybody else wow. Yeah, the live call. It's I mean, it's ingenious in a way. You don't have to take the live questions. You don't have to put yourself in the hot seat the same way. I don't know why every other entertainment company, not that I'm suggesting other people. I know, please don't. Well, every other entertainment company or every other company, for a matter of fact, hasn't adopted that model. You really get to control the narrative that way. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, and that's, but it's also like, some things seem like stage where Reed's like, why don't you tell us about the comparison to Hulu, uh, Greg? And then it's like, oh, good. As if he just thought of it or something. And it's just like, you know, they're not good <laughs> actors. Oh, no offense, guys. You know, you have the CFO putting, you know, the thing, the hand prop from Wednesday on his shoulder, you know, which is fine for levity. But it's like, what is, you know, what is this? Uh, and what is more importantly, what is this doing? It's, I mean, do you find these at all helpful, Elaine? And at any, any insight into to have the Wednesday hand on the shoulder? <laughs> um, no, but, you know, I'm not going to begrudge them. They're fun. I probably do. No, of course. I, la- I, I, I laughed in my newsletter this morning. I'm like, you know, what? a little levity is always nice. I'm just saying the format of this thing. I'm like, guys, why even bother? doing it i don't know that i really get you know anybody ever gets anything out of this and the analyst coming on doesn't seem to be asking you know when you hear analysts on other calls which you listen into you know they're asking real pointed questions and ones that you know most people like hey you said this thing what about this like there was no question about why aren't you releasing ad tier numbers that's a basic question everybody's asking them and she asked a broad advertising, how's it going, you know, question. And it's like, it's embarrassing. I mean, it's a little embarrassing. I'm like, you don't, you want to ask them a real question. I don't, maybe, maybe there are no preconditions, but it just seems like a oh, no win for I, everybody. I, I, I don't know. I would, ima- I would, ima- I mean, it, I'm just, you know, for SEC reasons or whatever, I don't know, but uh, oh, mm-hmm. I, I maybe, you know, but that's me putting, I, I don't know. So I don't want to say that. There I think are, there's there an are. understanding, I would say. An understanding. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, Elaine, do you, I just, I, I'm at a loss for just like who wins out of this thing other than Netflix is great. And I guess that's the whole point of it anyway. <laughs> with, with the pre-recording. I mean, yeah, they get to yeah. control the narrative. Um and 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 you know sort of evade some of the if they want to some of the more granular questions that you get when you're you know on a on a disney call and bob is getting a question about something drilling down on some revenue detail at theme parks or something right like you get right. to sort of not have to address those more granular things but i do think it's interesting when you watch these pre-recorded calls there is a, a path that seems to be charted right in terms of the conversation mm. and i think that itself sometimes can be illuminating as to like, this is what they want to highlight. This is where they want to go. Although, of course, I will take a live session anytime. Um, and also just, and this is so far off tangent, but I will say I used to cover retail. And I think something that Starbucks did was really helpful. Uh, they would actually have live transcription that would happen uh, at the oh. same time as the call, which, I mean, A, is great for accessibility, right? Um, <laughs> right. And B is like, you know, you you actually, get, it just helps so much with the reporting. So I would just like to plug, if there are any IR people listening, live transcription is a lovely feature <laughs> on these earnings bills. Elaine, you've been covering these for a long time. You know, uh, under promise, over deliver again. Uh, they haven't done this in a little while. This year has certainly not been the case. Um, so, you know, subscribers are now at essentially 231 million globally. They uh, seven uh, point was it seven point six or seven point seven million ads. Essentially, they were saying four point five million, so almost forty percent greater. Revenue was about on. They were a little bit over 100, uh, 100 million over, but what's 100 million when you're making, uh, you know, 8 billion a quarter? 
Um, you know, the stock was up 7%. They, you know, the one thing that it was interesting to me, Elaine was, uh, you know, the net income, the profit was just 55 million, which is really low for them. It wasn't really mentioned their earnings per share also missed with, uh, by almost, uh, two thirds, uh, what they were estimating. So that's why the stock didn't pop, you know, last time it's it popped 14%, 7% is, you know, it's nice to have, but it wasn't like a major, major stock pop for the, for the subscriber count that they hit and for the revenue count that they hit. Um, but that that net income, you know, the cash flow was good too. I should say, uh, very healthy. But that net income was interesting. But they do generally make a pretty decent profit every quarter, even in fourth quarters. And this one was, was barely nothing. Well, Elaine, did that stand out to you at all, or am I, am I just, or is that not a number to really think about? Do you think? I think the number that people are still extremely focused on are subs because they have made that the number to highlight for so long. So as long as that number keeps growing, I think people respond generally positively because obviously we all saw what happened last year, uh, you know, probably about nine months ago when there was a a sudden, you know, loss in subs like that was the big headline again, because that's the thing that they've chosen to to, to, center on. And now they're trying to pivot to more revenue and profit and all of that, um, you know, as their growth has plateaued and they're trying to sort of jumpstart it with the ad tier. Um, So, yeah, yeah, I think it's still been positively received because of that. And also because obviously of the succession news, which was the larger headline yesterday. Yeah. But even I mean, it's, we we talked a lot about it, but you know, the strategy is not changing here. There's nothing, it is a change in, you know, read it's a formality at at best. I mean, but it's not like, Oh my God, it's not uh, Chapek to Iger. It's not like, you know, like, or even Vince coming back at WWE. It's like, as you said, it's the least dramatic (laughs) change of regime. I we all can kind of, you know, think of uh, currently, but I um, I just wanted to point out, because I think that there are things we can read into his, into his appointment. um, Like I'm just, you know, look, pointing out some things that were in the story, Elaine Co. bylined that um, he led Asia, Netflix's expansion into Asia. He's been behind the company's push into gaming. Um, and I thought this line was interesting that he is, uh, what is the word? He's reasonable, ra- hyper, hyper rational. Mm-hmm. Um, that he is, uh, that he is much more tolerant or can manage internal dissent better than Ted. Is that is that the is that what you reported, Elaine? Yes, uh, as as our reporting has has shown us before, uh, Ted is, according to some insiders, not as receptive to to dissent or uh, you know opposing opinions as um, you know as as Greg is, and that you know I, I think what was it that one former exec told me is that he's Greg is essentially one side of Reed's personality, um, and and Ted is the other part of again it's that left brain right brain thing right so they sort of represent those two sides of reed although uh you know there are more similarities in personality between reed and greg than than ted and reed um so that's that's sort of the 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 personality rundown that we got on greg and yeah he was instrumental in the expansion into asia which is you know what he's largely credited with back in um i think 2015 and you know he's been leading the way on gaming and ads which are again you know these are the potential two major revenue drivers for this company who's paid subscriptions at 1599 16 bucks a month has largely plateaued especially in the US and North America. So, you know, Greg is the guy who's going to be responsible for really leading Netflix into this next era of of profitability. Well, I think a key line in your story is that it says Peters, Greg Peters played a role, a key role in getting Netflix's creative execs on board with the ads business, which um it should not sounds probably easier than it is to do. But um, 
And I think there, there's all sorts of production issues and, you know, no one wants after, after, you know, a decade of not having your shows broken up by advertising. It's a, that's a hard sell for them to make to creators, I would imagine. Yeah, it is. Except for the creators whose uh, shows were already being imported over from broadcast as one <laughs> one show. Right. Told me, I was like, how do you feel about ads? And they were like, listen, my show already had ads in it. You can just put them back in because they were already written around that act structure. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's like there's a whole generation of writers, right, who have been developing shows purely for streaming, no act breaks. And it's like, where do you suddenly put all of this in? Um, I, I, by the way, I don't know if you guys are, but I am a basic with ad subscriber myself on Netflix because I wanted to get the full. Wow, offer. you're the one. I downgraded. Yes, um, I was well, curious about the user experience, so I downgraded from my regular subscription and that, and I was like, okay, like it's it's really not that disruptive of an experience because it's it doesn't come in like um like uh, increments. It's just like you get the one one minute ad. At least in my experience, you get the one one minute ad before the whole show starts, and then. You maybe get like one or two others in between, and it's really not that bothersome. Yeah. No, I've, uh, I did the same thing, and then I'm, I'm on pause right now because Netflix with ads does not work with Apple TV devices. Oh, I no. didn't know that I was aware of that. That's, really? that's, uh, yeah, yeah. That's the, I, I've written it a couple of times. You know, I mean, Apple TV, it's not, you know, it's maybe I think best at 10% of the, you know, that streaming device market. I mean, it's not Roku or Amazon Fire, but, uh, yeah, does not work on Amazon if you have an Apple TV Plus device, Apple TV uh, streaming device. So yeah, no, that's why uh, so I was like, well, then I'm not paying for this right now. So keep me posted, uh, Netflix, when you sort that out. And Disney ad tier was wow. also not working. Disney was not working on Roku when they launched as well in December. Their ad tier, so that's more. That's a bigger issue because of Roku's penetration in the the streaming uh, device market. So. Little caveats of uh, this business, yeah, exactly. The consumer's always the loser in all these, um, <laughs> in all these changes. Um, um, so but yeah. oh, go ahead, Jen. Sean, just go through. Also, you had talked about your favorite subject, ARPU, in the in in your newsletter. Also, about what that revealed about the the cost or the uh, revenue per user in these areas where Netflix is growing. Right. It actually go back to just uh, pick up on a landscape about the U.S. where the the fourth, the third and fourth quarter were the first two quarters. As far as I went back and I went back to about 2014, uh, that did not grow revenue in the U.S. So revenue has stopped growing in the U.S. Uh, as of the last two quarters. And quite and it's dipped, you know, a, a few tens of millions of dollars, which is really not much. But that growth has, you know, and that's with the price, you know, the price changes and everything like that. And now with the ads here coming in, it's going to go down probably even more because the, you know, ARPU includes that as well. So back to that importance of the Asia Pacific region and other regions, it's like, that's going to even become more important and maybe where Greg's expertise, you know, is going to be a little more handy uh, coming in the future here as, as a co-CEO. Um and then otherwise, uh, you know, so the, the U.S. ARPU was down, which it dipped. What They've only released that number for the past four years, uh, Janice. They haven't done that prior to that. So we don't have numbers before the end of 2018. But that was the first dip in ARPU outside of one quarter in early 2020. So that's also kind of something to note, which will probably, again, keep going down because of the ad tier. Uh, in Europe, Middle East, and Africa, that was the region of greater, greatest growth, actually, which is not un, you know not unprecedented but certainly was notable um but you don't know where it's coming from uh, netflix has investor is investing in a lot of original production in africa um they don't talk you know that's never been talked about on the call certainly or any in any earnings call and any earnings release 
Um, but that ARPU is down also in the and the prices in Africa are lower than the ones in Europe, which are higher. And also the ad tier one also went up in 10 European countries. So again, you had the ad tier going to the ARPU there, which also went down quite a bit. And that's that's unrelated to currency exchange, Jenna. So, you know, it's not just because the dollar is so strong and that kind of stuff. It's it's definitely they're going to be making less money from subscribers they have over time in these two big regions. Um, and that's if as long as you keep growing subscribers, that's great. But if you don't, then that becomes a problem, Elaine. Did anything else come out of Elaine for you out of that kind of, you that know, sums it up well. I mean, and that's the thing, right? More subscribers at lower, lower ARPU seems to be the track that they're on. And, you know, to tie this back again to the succession announcement yesterday, I think both, uh, you know, the elevation of Greg and also, you know, Bella and Scott's new titles are really reflective of the revenue strategy that they're pursuing because it's obviously Greg is the guy who's been overseeing this huge ad tier push and that's their one of their priorities now. And I think the fact that you have Bella as chief content officer really underscores the significance of TV over film for the service. And I mean, and that's obviously a trend that's been happening across the industry uh, as we've seen the proliferation of these streaming services. But it, it, those two things just really seem to serve to underscore, okay, ads and TV, that's where we're at, which is kind of funny when you think about it in just broad terms, because it's like, okay, so we're back to old school TV now. I get it. Right. The company that was known. <laughs> yeah, as they said on the call too, we're like, you're really breaking them up with the mold here. But as yeah, the, the company who was famously no advertising ever is now like, oh, the future of this business i know and they said in a very broad statement but you know up to 10 percent of their revenue in quote unquote several years could be from the ad tier which yeah. they made 32 billion dollars in 2022 so it's you know over it's a three billion dollar a beer three billion dollar a year business that they see at some point richard wrote about the new yorker profile of bella um yes. and just sort of and you know in case you missed the anvil getting dropped on your head repeatedly. They're a global company and the whole, and you can see it now as it kind of ties into the, um, we're so global, like, you know, our our chief, now chief content officer flies all around the world to every single location. And oh my God, we're so global. And Richard made this point that that was clearly what they were trying to get across. Um, and that whole idea of formats that can travel um, from one place to the other. Yeah. But you know, uh, two hundred and thirty million subscribers—they are global. You know, it's like it is. They are global. It's also a reality. It's not necessarily like oh, they're just doing this, for, you know, for show. It's like yeah, that kind of you know, the U.S. revenue is about—I think it's about fifty-five percent of the total revenue. So it's still the most important market for the for Netflix by far in terms of revenue. But in the next ten years, you know, going forward, it's like that's that number is going to start going in, in this direction. So. Um, and I guess the one other thing we should talk about uh, is password sharing, which is coming up sooner than later, uh, Elaine. So they said, you know, by Q1, so we're talking by end of March, uh, we're, they didn't really have to, they were a little light on these details still for something that's going to happen within the next eight weeks. But um, uh, as to what is this going to roll out in the US first, you know, they've been testing in Latin America, you know, as we've kind of people been writing about for the past year or so, but it's coming soon and they were not hedging their bets, but they would definitely be like, you're going to see some view counts start to go down because people are not going to be able to access their uh, borrowing accounts. Uh, so therefore, there'll be less people watching Netflix, but they think people, those people will sign up eventually. So that those numbers will return eventually. But what was your take on the, on the password news uh, yesterday, Elaine? 
Uh, my take is that I'm going to have to buy my mom her own account now. <laughs> um, I mean, no, I, we've, they've signaled this for some time as well, though, the crackdown on passwords, right? And again, this is like add something that they remember at one point when they were like, share your password, go for it. And they were right. it. Nice. And now it's like, you know, we got to tighten our belts. We, we want to see a little more money coming in from this. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't surprise me, but uh, I'll be curious to see what the actual opportunity is, you know, in terms of how how many people are actually going to sign up, um, you know, for additional accounts or additional profiles? I think the what is it? There's like an incremental bump or something that you have to pay for if you're you're still doing it through somebody else's account. Um, you know, how big of a revenue driver is that versus um, sort of the optics of like this is this is not the company that it once was, where it's just like, hey, share your password. You know, we're we're fun, we're cool, we're hip. You know, um, but uh, but yeah, I, I don't think it's particularly surprising. But again, I don't think don't know how much of a revenue driver is going to be compared to ads yeah netflix is becoming its own parents it's got ads now it's got cracking down the password you were cool man i like i like college netflix where's that guy uh but yeah they you know they their numbers that they had in the report they say there's you know over 100 million accounts that they think are are up for grabs or at least that are you know quote unquote borrowing uh globally so that's you know that's (laughs) almost 50% of their current, uh, you know, paid subscriber base. So if they can convert, as I said in the newsletter today, you know, 20% of that, that's their whole growth from 2021. That'd be 20 million people. So even if they don't get everybody, if they can add that many accounts, you know, and I'm sure they've done the math on it. I'm not bothered to go into it that in depth about how much, what the upside is. And, and again, we also, as you pointed out, Elaine, we don't know what the, the charge is to add people on. And I'm like, Again, this is happening and like seemingly sounded like pretty soon. And I'm just like, it was not a lot of, you know, details on this that I would have thought maybe, I don't know, maybe my expectations were just I'd have been on asked it, on a live earnings call. <laughs> may have also come up <laughs> had it been, <laughs> if Elaine and I had a chance to ask questions, like, you know, <laughs> uh, finally. Uh, but that's going to be definitely on the near term. Um, and then I went, Elaine, why we, I have you here. Explain gaming to me. You know, they've I've yet to hear a strategy as to what's the plan here for the business. Uh, you know, maybe I'm just the Luddite, but I remember a year, I remember a year ago, or maybe a little bit longer than that, the rumors of everybody of Netflix is gonna get into gaming. They're like, no, they're not, they're not, and then they did, and everybody's like, Oh my god, great. And then nobody's talked about it since I feel like nobody even pays attention to it really. Even on the call yesterday, it got less talk than on the Q3 call about this third pillar of the business and they weren't really again asked a material question about what's your plan here do you see what's afoot or i'm i'm a little lost personally so i'm, I'm glad to ask have somebody else here who might have some guidance for us so the official party line is basically it's something that they're exploring, right? It's not going to be as large as their main business, which understandably, but but it feels like there's always this constant tempering of expectations, right? When it comes to gaming, because it's like, they're not going to be uh, who creates Fortnite. Um, you know, they're <laughs> those not, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys, they're, 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 they're not, they're not going to be, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, it's like Microsoft and, and Xbox. Right. And all that. Activision. Like, it's, yeah. It's right. supposed to be like a nice add on. They're not the next EA. Um, and, and so I think that's what we've been seeing sort of this, like the initial push and obviously the acquisition of night studio, which means that they are, you know, serious about it. When you look at their job listings, which we take a look at from time to time, it's like, they are still steadily hiring in the gaming department. They're always looking for, you know, software and, and product and engineers and things. Um, so it is something that they're expanding into. I feel like there, again, just is this tempering of expectations because it's like, no, this isn't the next big thing. So maybe that's why it doesn't get addressed on earnings calls because they don't want to, uh, you know, sort of position, position it that way. 
I just don't get the inve- I mean, the investment they've bought. They've, well, I think, six companies they bought, and tr- including their own internal studio now in, in <laughs> the Netherlands, I believe. You know, these games are not in the app. They're free. It's so hard to find. What's I the- tried to find them. <laughs> <laughs> Janice can find them. Um, you know, like I just don't, and I've yet to hear our strategy, you know, this is real money. This isn't, I mean, they, they never break out how much they're spending on it, but it's, you know, there's no play money in, in streaming anymore. I feel like, you know, that kind of era is like, yeah, all right. Like, what are you spending to get to what? And, you know, like, okay, movies, TV, got it, got it. And, the, you know, to Reed's own quote was, it's a third pillar. Not like it was just like, you said, pillar. you know, that that's a leg of the company. And I just don't know how it even fits in the ecosystem of the of the product, and that's that's the thing that still is like, yeah, it's fine to do, I guess. I don't, but there's no money. Where's the money? Where's the revenue plan? How does this up your subscriber? You know, unless again, they're going to be integrated into the app at some point. Maybe I, you know, I don't. I'm going to guess that has to be the next step. I mean, but when? I don't. It's like, what's the you know? What? I I think that um, Richard in his column this week about Netflix, he made the really good point of just saying, you know, why 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 don't we actually listen when Reed Hastings has said over and over, we are competing against TikTok and YouTube, and we're not competing against these other streamers, which in some ways is a dunk on the other streamers, but I think (laughs) is also you know saying like. Um, I mean, it's kind of like this whole, the, whatever, the cliche of the attention economy, right? That that's, right. they're just trying to eat up the most minutes of your day. And um, yeah. yeah, so I, but, I presume gaming becomes part of that at some point. Yeah, but it's, uh, it's point, if you're not going after Activision, then you're never, you're going to be this tertiary player that's just going to lose at the edges no matter what. So I don't know. Elaine, anything I mean, else on it? Maybe it's not about dominating the space, right? I mean, in, yeah. in theory, not every space that a business enters has to be dominant. It just has to do enough, right? right? And so maybe that's what they're hoping for, that it'll do enough. And also, who knows what they actually have in the works? It's like the ad tier seemed to be something that happened very quickly, but who right. said exactly how long that that had been planned for? Because you don't just sort of roll out an ad tier just for kicks and giggles. So so, I mean, I'd be, I'll be very curious to sort of keep an eye on that space over the next year or so. But it's like, yeah, they, they're competing for attention. And I think that's the one thing that they have homed in on and that they understand perhaps better than other streaming companies. And even when we talk about sort of the media narratives of this, right, it's yeah. like, yeah, it's when we get sort of in our like industry bubble, it's like, oh, yeah, like who's developing what and like who's who's trying to, to you know, steal what content from whom and who's renewing this and that and the other. But it's like, no, you're not just competing with like an HBO Max or or a Disney mm-hmm. Plus or anything. It's like, yeah, you are competing with TikTok and YouTube and all these guys. And wasn't Reed who at one point said like, yeah, are you know, we're competing with sleep. Like it's right. Like. <laughs> So Elaine, tell us um, what 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 should we be looking for in 2023 from Netflix? What do you imagine the story of Netflix is this year? Mm, that's a good question. Oh, it's like you're asking me what like what the next five years of my life looks like for me. Um, not, <laughs> um, you know, I, I I think the 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 what 2023 what we'd be looking for over at netflix is like how does this succession sort of trickle down right and i don't think it's going to be as dramatic because again they're just basically formalizing informal structures but i i would be very interested to see um you know within within our bubbles like what the impact is on like development like if you're looking at like does 
do film decisions all does everything roll up to the chief creative officer now like how does green lighting work we've seen a from what i've heard from folks inside is that there's been a sort of a pullback right in like the green lighting power that netflix once touted as their thing of the diffusion of power i mean mm. it's it's just become more and more of a traditional studio and i wonder in that sense if we're going to see them adopt more conventions um, of the traditional studios that we've been covering and then conversely it's like you look outside and you look at like a WBD and you you know you ask it like, what are they doing with HBO Max like what's happening with all of their with their original slate like you know are they going to adopt more of a, a sort of a discovery model like production wise I think I, I just it's funny I just I wonder what kind of like inside out uh, you know turns we're going to see this year yeah and I just want to add you know Richard made this point in his column that like as much as people slag the quality of the programming on Netflix, they did this sort of thing that's harder and harder to do in entertainment, which where they reached, they created like these mass events that like Harry and Meghan, Dahmer, um, when the Wednesday dance, like that these were things that like everybody was talking about. And it's really hard in entertainment to have something that everybody's talking about. Everybody is not talking about tar. Like, you know, and right. and um, even the the HBO show that was buzzy this week. Yeah, yeah, like that is a, you know, that's a well, show people think very highly of, but it's not, you can't go out and talk about that with people like you meet at a party most likely. Um, so Netflix, I mean, in terms of the, you know, we are competing with life version of things, like they're, they actually have managed to do that pretty well with, you know, in the last uh, in the last half year. Yeah. And they have, you know, they're everywhere. They have the scale, like, you know, no matter who they're there's still 30 million, you know, subscribers above anybody else in just the U S like, you know, essentially 20, you know, 25, 30 million. So you just have access of your products. I mean, you know, that's, that's, that's the first step of creating buzz is people being able to see what you're doing, you know? Right. Uh, so that alone just gives them this upper hand that I don't see anybody, you know, uh, catching up to. And with this ad tier can, I, I know they've been stagnant about between 73 and 75 million, you know, in the U S for, uh, since the pandemic, certainly the past two or three years, if they can put that up to 80 with the ad tier, like that's, you know, that ad tier cool. becomes very valuable for that alone to get even more penetration. So more people can, again, experience the product and talk about it. But also, if I'm if I'm a big consumer brand, I want to be with those kinds of shows, right? I want to be with those oh, kinds of shows. Sure, or, you know, yeah. traditional four quadrant get you know lots of you know earned media. I mean, just just you know those are those are the things that um, made people used to uh, buy ads on Friends and Seinfeld way back. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah no, and I would say you know I still think HBO can make the can and does make that cultural hit yes. granted it may be a little more skewing new york and la granted but the last of us was big and will probably be a pretty big hit uh euphoria definitely you know you're talking five six you know million people on, on a sunday alone you know, alone so you know you're getting a decent amount of people and this is only just really a u.s business that's the thing about hbo max is that it's not a real i mean they're around the globe and the extent but it's not doesn't you know this is a, anything on Netflix goes global immediately, so it even just enhances the chatter and in, in terms of social media and TikToks and things like that. Where HBO is a little more limited, but they can still create this stuff. So, but those are the, the only two. Like, I mean, Amazon has yet the biggest thing's been football. Like, you know, like I, I they haven't really created this series. You know, as much as you know, Jack Ryan's great, but I wouldn't say that everybody's talking about it. it 
you probably know it's in, in a new season right now. Um, you know, so they that. have it. You knew that? Okay. Knew that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're on it. You're on it. Um, but they haven't really had, you know, that, I'll say even, even Apple's had Ted Lasso and I, Ted Lasso is still in the top five every week. The show hasn't had a new episode, you know. Wow. So it's <laughs> cu- so, cultural ownership is what we're talking about. Yeah. And I think HBO and, and Netflix still are the only two biggest games in town for I who can, can that. create that moment. Um, but Netflix certainly has the edge, uh, you know, just again, pure, pure scale. Yeah. Um, we'll say, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead, Elaine. From all the, you know, showrunners and, and producers and writers I talk to and the folks, you know, trying to get a show on the air, it's like, yeah, the appeal of Netflix has decreased a little bit over the last couple of years, but it has by no means gone away because it's it's the largest platform. It's the largest microphone for you. And so why wouldn't you take it? Even if you've been having more issues with the executive or creative teams there, even if things don't seem as, uh, even if the money doesn't seem as free flowing as it once used to, it's like it's the dominant streaming platform. And that is ultimately what you want for your show. Once you can see your stuff. I mean, Yeah. And it's like yeah. HBO obviously has the prestige. Apple TV Plus has actually managed to sort of fashion themselves as like a HBO alternative in the eyes of of creative folks. Yeah. Uh, but it's like we we don't know how many people are watching these Apple TV Plus shows. Not nearly as many, of course, as as there are Netflix. So it's no. like you know, it's it's like yeah, you, there's there's a sense of like wanting to to own the cultural conversation, but it's also just like who's watching your show and like. Right. Do, do I have that reach? And it's like Netflix certainly for the last couple of years has definitely been trying to expand more globally. And, um, you know, I do think it'll be interesting to see this year too, how much more local language content, especially with um, with Bella in, in the chief content officer seat, like how much more of an expansion we see there because that's always been a, a priority for her. All right, that's uh, tomorrow. That's uh, the 21st of January. So whenever you're listening to this, we will get the full scoop on that. And uh, Richard's Ski Report next uh, next week in the Ankler podcast here. Remember, you can follow us at the Ankler on the social platforms. And, of course, subscribe at theankler.com. Uh, so thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, we'll see you next week.